Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Today we have so much reason to celebrate. Amen? We have, I mean, today we celebrate a day that we really, we really celebrate every day as, as Christians, right? His resurrection is the reason that we meet every Sunday morning. Um, it's not just a, it's not a one-day thing. Easter is not, it's not like the other holidays, where we commemorate one single historic event like Christmas. I love Christmas. Christmas is probably my favorite holiday. I love when it rolls around. But Christmas celebrates one historical moment in, in, in history, and an incredible one, right? One that, that marked the commission of Jesus Christ to, to the redemption of the world. Um, but it still points to one single event. Resurrection Sunday, on the other hand. See, we're not just celebrating a day that Christ resurrected we're celebrating his continuous resurrecting power and all those who profess a faith in him resurrection sunday it's not it's not just about jesus <gasps> i get a few gasps when i say that it kind of feels wrong for me to even say that but that's the truth resurrection sunday is about those who jesus resurrected resurrected for amen that's you that's that's me um and, and it's beautiful to me because I feel so unworthy saying that. But the truth is, Jesus came, he lived, he died, not for himself, but for you and for me so that we could be restored to our purpose, to the Father, so that once again, we could have life and fellowship with God. Amen. That's why you are here this morning. And I think we might forget it sometimes. And so we have to have a special day to remember. But don't forget Jesus Christ. He didn't save you one time. See, I, I love the new Christian, man. The new Christian is always so excited. Like, he wants, to, he wants to raise his hand every time you ask for salvation. Like, he wants to get saved over and over again because they're, they're so excited. Those baby Christians, I, I love them because they're, they're so excited and, 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 and they're just in love. They're in love with God. But something happens like where we, we grow up, we, we mature as Christians as we should. But I think maybe we, we forget the power that is in the resurrection. And we forget that Jesus didn't die for you one time when you were living in the past. He, he died for you every single, every single day, every single moment when you wake up because we fall short of the glory every day. Amen. So we should treat our, our resurrection as such every day. I got to take care of this button here. Amen. We happen to be here this morning, church. Amen. Without the resurrection, we wouldn't be here. I mean, we'd, we'd be somewhere, we'd be doing something, but we'd have nothing to celebrate. We'd have nothing to look to, nothing to look forward to. We'd have no hope after death. In fact, that's all we would have is just death. We'd be living just to die like, a, like an inmate on death row. So this morning, as we conclude our series, Getting to the Cross, I want to spend some time talking about the significance of the cross. And I want to get a little deep into it because, church, there is life. There is life waiting for every single person, every single loved one, everyone who has not yet come to Christ. There is life waiting for them, for your parents, for your children, for your brothers, for your sisters, for your best friends who do not know Christ. There is life waiting for them, but they have to get to the cross. Tell the person next to you, get to the cross. Amen. We're going to be we're going to be uh, looking at Mark this morning. If you have Mark, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 15. We've been looking at the life of Jesus through the gospel of John, but I want to read from Mark's account of the crucifixion because it shows us this, 
This misunderstanding of the cross that I think so many people had when Jesus was hanging on it and, and so many people still continue to have today. They don't understand the significance of the cross. That's why some people who, who don't have a relationship with, with Christ, when we're in here and we're singing songs about the, about the cross and, and the Christian right next, next to the unbelievers is drenched in sweat and tears and crying and, and doesn't know what to do himself. He's falling apart because he's in the presence of God. The person next to him is like, well, what are you doing? Because they don't understand the significance of the cross. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So if I could just have your attention for the next 25 minutes or so, you know, I don't preach that long. Mark 15, verse 22, that's where we're starting. It says, and they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right, one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Amen. Those who have never been crucified with Christ will never understand the significance of the cross. And that's just the truth. And maybe, maybe we have some of you here this morning. I've never been crucified with Christ. I've never picked up my cross. I've never embraced it. I've never followed Jesus. That's okay. But I'm telling you, there's a side to the cross that we see and you don't. And I want to show you this morning. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, For the word of the cross is folly. It's foolish to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved... It is the power of God. So I want to break this down to you this morning. The cross is so much more than a symbol that distinguishes a certain group. It's it's, it's not the symbol for Christianity. It's more than that. It's not something that you wear around your neck. It's not something that you get tatted on your body. You you can if you want to. That's fine. But it's more than that. It's, It's so much more than something that was once powerful but is not anymore. It's not a symbol of pride like circumcision was to the Jews. It's more than that. And contrary to what so many people might think, the cross is not a representation of death, but of life by means of death. That's what the cross is. That's what it symbolizes. It's powerful, man. And John gives us a really good testimony of the ministry of Jesus all the way through his, his, uh, his trial, his ministry, his trial, his death, his resurrection, and then his ascension. And as you read through it, if you open up your Bible and you read the book of John or, or any gospel, And you read the miracles and the teachings of Jesus, the preachings of Jesus, his his beautiful Sermon on the Mount. If you read about what Jesus did and what he said during his ministry, you will notice that there was always this force of opposition in his midst. Even when Jesus first started his ministry, if you remember, he he fasts for 40 days and he's in the wilderness and the enemy is there and he's trying to tempt him. And Right, right before he even starts his ministry, he's trying to be taken down. Satan thinks, okay, well, if I can, if I can tempt and, and, and make fall the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, and there won't be a sacrifice, he'll be done. 
And maybe if I could, if I can take this redeemer down, he won't be able to follow through with his redemptive purpose. And so throughout his whole ministry, Jesus, he, he receives a lot of heat. He receives a lot of hate, a lot of opposition. We talked about that a few Sundays ago. He was very, uh, he was very unconventional. And so a lot of people hated him. And all along, Satan is trying to take Jesus down. He's, he's constructing this plan of destruction. And then three years into the ministry of Jesus, Satan sees his opportunity. And he enters Judas Iscariot to deliver Jesus to be arrested. And at that moment, I can imagine the disciples. I mean, you, you have Peter, man, who's willing to cut off ears. They're fighting for their Savior because that is their salvation. And I can imagine being the disciple and seeing my Lord and Savior being taken away. You're not just taking away the one that I love. You're taking away my salvation. And for a moment, it seems like there is no hope. And he's not going to be able to finish what he came to finish. A few days later, (laughs) Satan's plan backfires, right? It turns out that God was using Satan. He was playing Satan the entire time. He didn't even know it. And the cross wasn't a weapon of destruction. It was actually an instrument of restoration and healing and resurrection. That's what it was about. (laughs) See, Satan was trying to get Jesus to the cross to kill him. Jesus was trying to get to the cross to save us, to revive us, to bring us life. It's not a weapon of death. It's not a weapon of destruction. It's a means of life by death. When you get to the cross, life happens. Life happens happens not death and I love that because it was so unexpected Satan thought that he had won he thought he won by getting Jesus to the cross he thought he outsmarted God and his whole his whole plan I mean from the from the moment that God cast him out of of heaven because he, he he was found with iniquity and he was found with pride he tried to rise above God he thought he thought man I did it I finally did it I outsmarted God Jesus is going to the cross, and he's not going to be, he's not going to be able to save anyone. Satan was mistaken. He had a misunderstanding of the cross. But death doesn't happen at the cross. Life happens. And even the people, they didn't see it that day. While Jesus was there hanging for our sins, you had people mocking him, saying, save yourself. Get down from the cross if you are the son of man. Jesus was saying, I'm trying to save you. So I'm going to stay on the cross because I am the son of man. See, the death of Christ, it was necessary, church. It was, it had to happen. People wonder why. Well, why did, why did God have to send his only son? Because he was perfect. And we needed a perfect sacrifice because everything else was just so insufficient. It had to be something that was perfect. And you don't get perfection, perfection unless it's with Jesus. So his death was necessary because through his death, Paul says that our sin, Paul says our sins were nailed to the cross. Our sins, that's incredible to me, man. Every weakness, every every sin, every mistake, every impure thought that you've had, every failure, every misguided step, every time that you fall down, Jesus says, you know what? Let me bear all of the weight of your sin on my shoulders. I'm going to take it with me to the cross and I'm going to nail it there because I love you. But here's the thing, church. You have to get to the cross. You have to get there. 
You have to get there because if you don't make, if you don't get there, you make yourself vulnerable to death. And, and just like there was so much opposition for Jesus throughout his entire ministry, throughout his entire life, let me tell you this. There will be opposition for you. There's going to be opposition for those who are trying to make it to the cross. It is a journey. And it's hard. And just because your mama was saved doesn't make you saved. And just because your daddy or your grandpa was saved doesn't make you saved. It's your own journey. And there is going to be opposition getting to the cross. Man, I can't, I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard of people saying, man, I should have been dead. I had a, I had a lunch meeting this week with, with a friend. He said, man, he, he had the craziest past few nights. And he said, he said, Ryan, I don't know how I'm even here talking to you. I should be dead right now. I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had a great life. But there was always this, this darkness, this, this oppression over my life. And as, as, as hard as I try to get out of it and try to make it past my mistakes, I couldn't do it. And I wanted to give up. And sometimes I even thought about taking my own life. But then I got to the cross. I made it to the cross and something changed. You're with me this morning, right? And the other day I was sitting in my office. I was having lunch. I went to Subway. I brought it back. Whenever I'm having lunch in my office, I like to Netflix it up a little bit. A little break. I started watching this, uh, this documentary. Maybe some of you have seen it, Planet Earth. Incredible, incredible footage these guys get, man. I don't, I don't know how long it takes for them to capture this footage, but they're, I imagine they're there forever waiting for the perfect moment so that they can deliver it to us. And there was this clip that I, that I saw, and I had, I had seen it before, but I hadn't seen it in the whole context of, of what it actually was. Um, and and I wanna, I'm going to play it this morning, but if you're afraid of snakes, uh, parental advisory is suggested. All right, and uh, for the hundreds of thousands of people listening to this on the Primera podcast, uh, I, I'm sorry you can't see this, but we will we'll link the video to the show notes. All right, let's go ahead and play it. A snake's eyes aren't very good, but they can detect movement. So if the hatchling keeps its nerve, it may just avoid detection.
near miraculous escape. <laughs> I imagine, I, I imagine that iguana, you, you see there was another one there. When he got to the top of the ledge, he starts talking to him. I imagine the conversation going something like this. Man, I should have been dead by now. I should have been, I shouldn't be alive right now. I was, I was in his grips. He had me right where he wanted me, but by the grace of God, I made it out alive. Come on. Man. That, the enemy's after me with this button here. <laughs> that clip, it, it, it didn't show the entire clip of the documentary. If you watch it, you'll see that, that moments before, there was all these other iguanas that didn't make it out alive. They, they got, they got, got, <laughs> they were killed. And it also didn't show something else that, that, that happens moments before this intense clip. The iguanas were hatching. They were being born. This iguana that made it out alive, he was probably like three minutes old. And when I watched this, this video, don't judge me. I started crying a little bit. And you're probably thinking, oh, gosh, Ryan, you, you got to. Yeah, I, I do cry a lot, man. I don't know what happened is when I had Layla, she made me more sensitive. But I, I know it's weird. I'm crying after the, an iguana video. And, but there's more to it. I, I started thinking about what that meant. I started thinking about those iguanas being born in this field of death and, and how it relates to the human condition. They were born, and the very first thing they experienced was fear. They don't even have a a chance to like breathe. Something's after them. Something wants them dead. And if they don't get out of this field of death, every day is going to be a battle. And they're just going to try to survive. And they're going to be afraid to look over their shoulder. They're going to have to be like hermits. They can't go out. And ultimately, one day they're going to die. It's just a matter of when. Because something wants them dead. And something... Doesn't want, to make, doesn't want them to be over that ledge. And church, you know, when, we were, when we're born, we're born into that same fear. Into the fear that, that we will live through this life without ever finding redemption in Christ. And there's always something there trying to take us down. From the moment that you're born, maybe you don't feel it as much because you're in your mother's care. But there was something after you. There is something that is trying to deter you from finding Jesus. And throughout our lives, we, we experience so many distractions and pleasures and, and even doubt. And it, it prohibits us from getting to the cross. And then we lose friends. We lose family members, people who were dead before they even got a chance to live. And then we, we, we see them and we think, man, how am I going to make it out alive? There's no hope for me. Because from the moment you were born, Someone wanted you dead. Someone wants you dead. Just like someone wanted Jesus dead. The moment he was born, if you remember, he's born and Herod tries to kill him. Herod is after him. I could, we can go back all the way to Joseph, whose brothers wanted him dead. They wanted to kill him. And they said, you know what? We might as just, let's just sell him into slavery because, because that's, that, that's pretty much the same thing. I mean, he's, he's as good as dead if we do that. We can think about Moses, who just because he was a Hebrew boy was to be killed. We can think of David because King Solomon was after David. King, King Saul was after David to take him out and, and to get rid of his purpose. Saul, he wanted him dead. 
And I bet that if you had a chance to sit down and talk to any one of those men during their lives, they'd tell you the same thing. I should be dead. I shouldn't be talking to you right now, but by the grace of God. Come on, someone say the grace of God this morning. Come on. The grace of God, by the hand of God, by the victory of God, I can get myself out of the death pit, man. I can outrun any enemy. I can survive any venomous bite that is meant to kill me. If I just get to the cross, I've got life, and I've got life eternal. Once you get to the cross, you're good. You're safe. Someone's still trying to kill you, but now you're in the presence of the Father, and if he is for me, who can be against me? I think back to that iguana. Man, I have so much more respect for iguanas these days. (laughs) They got to the other side, and they were surrounded by friends. They were surrounded by an army who would wage war with an enemy on their behalf. That's what you have. That's what you have when you get to the cross. There's this fellowship. There's this. There's this family. They had veterans, people, not people, iguanas, (laughs) who survived They've been there before. Now, it doesn't mean that those iguanas just got to live in, in paradise forever. You know, it, it's still, they still experience pain. They still, you know, that everything wasn't going to go great in their lives all the time. They were still going to have to look over their shoulders. and They're still going to have enemies. But when you get to the cross, it doesn't guarantee a happy life forever. And if we have some unbelievers this morning, if we have some people that haven't made it to the cross, I don't want to misinform you. I want to tell you how it is. There's days where I'm, I get stressed out. I get angry. I get frustrated. There's days where I, I, just, I, I just want to go and, and leave and you know, relax on a beach for the rest of my life or something. You know, I, I, I have those days where, where it feels like too much sometimes. But unlike those who would never make it to the cross, Death is not your final resting place. You are victorious. You have victory. You don't have to be afraid of death. And I wish more Christians would believe that, man. You don't have to live your life in fear anymore. You don't have to be afraid because Jesus already conquered the grave. He defeated death. And some people make it to the cross, man. They make it out alive and and they still still have these issues with, with fear. And this is the second part of my sermon. It's a lot shorter than the first, I promise. But it doesn't end with the cross. The cross is just a bridge to get us to the final destination. If it ended with the cross, I mean, it would be this beautiful story, but it would be a tragic story. Because there'd be no victory. But that's not, that's not what we get with Jesus. We don't get a memorial, we get a celebration. And so John's account of the resurrection, we won't read it, but I, I want to summarize it. He says, Mary Magdalene goes early in the morning to the tomb of where Jesus was. She, she discovers that, that, the tomb, that the stone that was covering the tomb was, was rolled away. That's kind of like the equivalent of going to a grave, leaving flowers, and, and discovering that, you know, a casket has been dug up and it's open. There's no body in there. It's kind of creepy, right? Really creepy. And so she goes, she goes back and she tells the disciples what she saw or what she didn't see. And they go running. To the tomb, and, and I expect, I expect that they expect to see something in the tomb because why, why is why is the stone rolled away? Something happened. 
There was some type of movement there. And so they go in to the, to the tomb where Jesus was, was buried, and they look around, and they don't, they don't see anything. The only thing they see is Jesus' clothes folded nice and neat. Man, what a class act. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Like, like he, he just died. He resurrected. And then he's like, oh, before I leave, let me fold my clothes. <laughs> man, his mama taught him right. Because if that were me, man, I'd, I'd just rip my clothes off and I'd just take them, you know, put them on the floor. Told, hey, Roman soldiers can clean up my mess. But I want to read verse 9. I think it's cha- chapter 20. I don't, I don't have the, the chapter up there. But it says, for as they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. He's talking about the disciples. I'm going to say that again. For as they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead, there was a misunderstanding. They didn't understand something. Luke says it like this. They went home marveling at what happened. The Greek word for marvel means to wonder, means to be surprised, astonished. So given that John says that they did not understand that he must rise from the dead, I think it's safe to say that there was some confusion among the disciples some bewilderment, right? They were definitely amazed. But why were they so, so surprised? Jesus said this was going to happen. I am going to be crucified. And, and then I'm going to rise on the third day. And the angel even says to you why, do you, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. He's not here. He's risen. Why are you so surprised at his victory? This is Jesus we're talking about. This is the son of man. Why are you surprised that he is not dead, laying on his back with no life in him? Why are you so surprised? Why are you still mourning when you have so much reason to celebrate? Why do you think a living man is dead? And I think we can ask every single one of those questions to every Christian that has made it to the cross. And I'm about to end. But if you're here this morning and you're broken or you're broke or you're stressed out, you're depressed, you don't know what decision to make, maybe you feel like a loser, man. I I, I run into a lot of Christians who still feel like losers. Why do you feel like a loser? God gave you the victory through Jesus. Why are you so surprised at it? Act like it. Act like a champion, man. Some think that they're losers when God made them champions. Some are convinced that they're still defeated and they're walking, they're walking every day with their head down and, and they're, all, they're all frustrated and they're all like, man, I can't do anything with my life. God gave you the victory. The battle was won. Some are still looking for the dead among the living. And I'm talking to Christians now. Because you are more than what you might think of yourself sometimes. Because you might look at your life and you think it's, it's, it's in ruins and you're like, man, I'm, I feel so lifeless. But Jesus gave you life. Why are you so surprised at it? You have to understand the power of the cross. The power of the cross. The cross kills everything that was. And it resurrects everything to him. If you've gotten to the cross, fellow Christians, man, we've survived. 
We're like that poor little iguana, man. We made it. We are in a fellowship with an army. We're in the presence of the general who is our God, who is stronger than any army. We have the victory. We have the victory. And if you're here this morning and you've never made it to the cross, or maybe you had at one point, but maybe you abandoned it, you dropped it because you got distracted, I want to make a call to you this morning. And I'm just going to ask that we stand. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.